The Holy Gospel according to Mark, the ninth chapter. Jesus and the disciples went on and passed through Galilee. He did not want anyone to know it, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is to be betrayed into human hands, and they will kill him. And three days after being killed, he will rise again. But they did not understand what he was saying and were afraid to ask him. Then they came to Capernaum. And when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the way? But they were silent, for on the way they had argued with one another who was the greatest. He sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, Whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. Then he took a little child and put it among them, and taking it in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. The Gospel of the Lord. My dear brothers and sisters, I bring you grace and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So summer is not quite over yet, maybe as evidenced by the hot and humid day we're going to have today, Uh, and that means that some of us are still grilling out. Has anyone else uh, grilled out in the last week? So our family grilled our dinner last week, a simple meal. We had burgers and salmon burgers and uh, some sliced veggies, including sliced potatoes and corn on the cob. And we prepared the meal, uh, importantly, for reasons which will become evident, before our our youngest son, Andrew, who just read a few minutes ago, got home from high school and football. And we had sort of planned it to be timed so that when he arrived, everything would be ready. And most of it was, uh, except for the vegetables, which always seem to take a lot longer than you expect, even on the grill, right? So anyway, we sat down on the back deck, all of us, me and Amy and Sarah and Andrew, and we enjoyed the burgers and the corn on the cob, and then we got to talking, and after a while, Amy said, wait a minute, didn't we have some vegetables too? And I was like, oh, we did, and we do, and they're still on the grill. So I walked over to the grill, and um, they were done. Some of them beyond recognition, Uh, but some of them were salvageable. So I picked out the most burned ones of them and tossed them in the yard, and then I took the rest of them and I put them on the plates. And Andrew started poking away at one of the potatoes and took a bite. And then he said, this is disgusting. (laughs) And I looked at it, and I grant you it was a little charred, but it looked more or less like a potato. I said, well, Andrew, it looks like an okay potato to me. And he said, wait a minute, this is a potato? I thought it was a zucchini. And what do you think he did after he discovered that? He ate the potatoes. Now, what changed? His perception of what he was eating, okay? Now, I want to get to today's gospel in a minute, but that story reminded me of last gospel's Uh, last weekend's gospel. So I want to actually start there because you may remember we talked a bit about perception last week as well. That was the first of the three times 
uh, that Jesus shared with his disciples that he was going to undergo great suffering and be killed, and that turned into a conversation, you may remember, uh, with Peter, who challenged Jesus and said, Jesus, I don't think you understand what this whole Messiah job is all about, buddy. You got it wrong. It's not about suffering and dying. It's about something else. And that, in turn, prompted Jesus to share what I described as the worst marketing slogan in the history of the world. You remember what it was? Let anyone who would follow me deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. And we talked last week about how we hear those words, especially the words deny yourself. And it's very hard in our culture not to hear those as anything but what? Negative. We're almost offended by them. Deny myself, I'm the most important person in the world. People keep telling me so on TV and the internet and other places, right? So we talked about how shifting our perception of that phrase, understanding it more deeply helps us to realize, oh, wait a minute. Maybe it's not negative. Maybe it is freeing. Maybe by focusing less on myself, I can participate in something bigger than myself. Maybe I can hear God's invitation to participate with God in the work God is doing in the world. Maybe I can find a purpose and meaning and significance that I could never discover on my own. Okay? We talked about all that last week. Again, a shift of perspective. Now, remember, we weren't the only ones hearing those words. Jesus' disciples were also hearing them, right? So they heard that worst marketing slogan in the world, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me, and they changed everything about the way they lived, right? They never worried again about themselves. No. Wrong. How do we know that? Well, we know it in part from today's gospel, where, where what do we find the, the disciples doing? Walking along, arguing with one another about what? Who of us is the greatest? Now, whatever you want to call that, it certainly isn't denying yourself. It's asserting yourself. It's saying, well, I'm the most important. John, you are a little weak with your preaching. Peter, you're not so good at healing. Mark, Jesus doesn't really love you. Right? They're going on about this. Now, where does that argument come from? I want to suggest that the argument the disciples are having that day comes from a place of fear. How do we know that? Earlier in the same reading for this week, Jesus now for the second time shares with his disciples that the Son of Man will be betrayed and given over into the hands of his enemies and be killed and on the third day rise again. And we are told that the disciples did not understand what he was talking about. But, and this is important, they didn't ask him any questions. Why? Because they were afraid. And I have a feeling they were afraid about a lot of things. They were afraid for their friend Jesus, who had just said he was going to be killed. They were afraid that maybe they might also be hurt. They were afraid that maybe um, they would be the one inadvertently to betray Jesus. They were afraid that maybe they weren't as faithful or strong or smart as they wanted Jesus to believe they were, which is why they're unwilling to do what they should have done, which is say to Jesus, be, be honest with Jesus and ask questions. Jesus, I'm sorry, I am completely and 
totally confused. You keep talking about this dying thing and it's freaking me out and I'm scared for you and I'm scared for me. Can you help me understand? But instead of doing that, instead of being honest, what do they do? They posture, I'm the best. I'm the smartest, right? I'm the strongest. I have the most faith. Now, I'm going to suggest today that I think that that emotion of fear honestly drives a whole lot of the disciples' entire life with Jesus. And in the end, it's not some perception on their part that ultimately changes it. It is a shift in reality itself, namely the event of the resurrection, Easter, when Jesus finally makes good on that promise to come again after three days, and the disciples who experience it in a powerful way. In fact, one of the ways we know we can sort of um, watch and see the power of the resurrection is precisely by looking at the disciples before the event of the resurrection and what they turn into after, before they are scared and afraid and cowering, after they are freed. They are freed from all of their fears, from all their anxieties. They realize, oh, I don't need to be afraid anymore. I don't need to pretend anymore. I don't need to be afraid of whether I'm smarter or better than my disciples. I don't need to be afraid that I'm never going to see Jesus again. I don't need to be afraid even about my own life. They are freed from all of that. Right? Now, 2,000 years later, friends, we also live in that new reality. But we are not naive. I think you will admit with me that we do not always perceive that new reality as fully as we might. Can I get an amen to that? Which means we live often not out of a sense of freedom, but also like those first disciples, we live out of a sense of fear. And to us today, I think if the disciples could be here, they would say, I totally get it. We used to be afraid too. We used to be scared too. And when we were, we were not able or willing because of our fear to share those fears and concerns with Jesus. My advice to you, they would say to us today, is don't do what we did. That never ended well for us or the people around us. Instead, take those fears that you have, take those doubts, take those uncertainties, those anxieties, and take it all to Jesus. He wants to hear about them, they would say, I promise you. And when you share them, yes, you will feel better. And who knows, maybe you will even discover that you perceive in a new way how Jesus, through his life and death and resurrection, has changed everything. Amen.